You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right, you're listening to the Breaking Free Podcast, where we're raising up 1,000 mentors to help people experience radical life transformation. Mentors to help people break free from addiction, the bondage of religion, the despair and isolation of homelessness, and the self-imprisonment of negative thinking and self-limiting thoughts. And somewhere in that grouping, everybody falls somewhere, somehow, I think. What do you say, Jeremy? Welcome to our broadcast today. Well, thank you. Uh, I say I agree. Somewhere there, someone does <laughs> fall into that. Oh, man. Um, sometimes we, we look at titles and we peg things and we go, oh, that don't apply to me. I don't need to listen to that. And and uh, we're hoping and praying you you uh, come across our podcast and decide that you want to partake and see how you can be a mentor and help people break fear around about you. We have the ability to change our world. Yes, we do. I think this is one of the most underrated realities on the planet is I think people feel trapped more often than anything. And feeling trapped is its own little trap. It's not real, you know, no matter mm-hmm. what it is. It's like I've never understood when, you know, they people talk about, I hate where I live. I hate the schools. I just, I'm stuck here. And I'm like, why? Or like the small town. That's one I never understood. I feel stuck in this small town. Well, just leave. Yeah. It's I, not like there's not other towns to live in. Right. Of course, they might just move to another small town. I don't know. Well. That's a, that's a mental trap, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're trapped if you stay moving from small town to small town. Unless, of course, you like this. Complaining town. about small towns. There it is. Yeah. So. I think I'd like a, I mean, I kind of live, I don't really live in a small town, but I kind of feel like I do because I'm on the cusp, you know? Yeah. But, I, you know, I, it's weird because like, like Hera, for example, mm-hmm. small town, um, that's a real small town. And I, and I say real small. I mean, there's a lot of smaller towns, but like, um, yeah, McLeod is much McLeod's smaller, much smaller right? But and 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 experiencing like people telling stories about that, like everybody knows, you know, it's a small town. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, how does everybody know? There's still thousands of people. Small town is relative. <laughs> I guess so. If if you don't have an NBA franchise before the Thunder, Oklahoma City is a small town. <laughs> well, that's fair. I always said Oklahoma City is the biggest small town in the world. That's it feels like it anyway. Well, on our schedule for today, we want to talk about expectations in a mentoring relationship, and uh, we're moving our way slowly towards having a mentoring agreement with folks. Um, So let's let's jump in for today. How's that? Um, In in a mentoring agreement, uh, typically... Uh, when you think of mentoring on a professional level, uh, you've got a, a senior executive maybe going to take a junior executive up and comer under their wing. Uh, you've got a you've got an understanding and agreement that you're trying to get a younger person, uh, less experienced person, groomed, uh, developed for promotion and career success. And uh, typically, there is laid out. Uh, you've been, you've been handpicked for this and, and this is where you're at and here is what we see your potential. And, and, uh, so we want to create this opportunity, uh, to get you prepared for what's ahead for you. And this is good for you. And this is good for the company. Um, all of that is, all of that is an agreement and expectation all packaged together. 
We're talking about something here that is much more organic uh, in its root, um, but it, it functions a lot along the same line. You've got uh, uh, somebody with an issue, whether it's uh, uh, an addiction that they need to break free from, whether it's a marital issue they're trying to get freedom from, uh, whether it's a, a, an abuse-type situation, uh, there's a recognition that that where they're at is not working. Mm-hmm. You're trying to, to this, this individual wants to move someplace else, and you are the the second third party here that that has some capability of moving them from point A to point B. And uh, I have I have a number of mentoring relationships that I'm involved in. Uh, one of them is a is a young lady that uh, she calls me every time that her life falls apart. Hmm. That I, sounds fun. I, I don't hear from her in between. Yeah. So when she says, Pastor Wayne, can you call me, please? I know that something's happened. She's desperate again. Uh, she needs uh, she needs prayer. She needs someone to talk to. Uh, she needs someone to tell her what she should do. Uh, she may or may not ever do anything that I tell her that she needs to do, but but she's going to be comforted by the fact that she talked to me. Mm. Uh, I'm her rock in the middle of her storm. That doesn't sound like something you're designed to do. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, and and the last time that she called me in that situation, I said, uh, uh, "Call me." I said, "But call me." Sometime when you don't have your life falling apart. Yeah. That's when I know that you're going to be serious about making a life change in your in your life. Pa- Pastor Wayne, that, that, that's not fair. Why why do you say it like that? That sounds so cruel. That sounds so terrible. Because that's the truth. That's right. I don't I don't hear from you for a year at a time. Uh, now, recently I had a young man. Uh, who found himself on the street, uh, having been thrown out of a sober living house. And uh, right before he got thrown out of the sober living house, he sent me a Facebook message and says, uh, Pastor Wayne, I, I think I really need you to mentor me. Mm. And shortly after that, he got thrown out of the sober living house. Yeah. And uh, so we've uh, we were in contact over a course of a couple of days and, um, I, I think we talked in a previous episode that we used to take people in off the street and we don't do that anymore and we're on sabbatical and I don't know if I've even told you this off record. We took him into our house. Yeah, I, I got it through context. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't think you said it to me directly, but you said something like, oh, so he's staying there, okay. And uh, so uh, I recently took him to Tulsa uh, so we could take care of some family issues there and... Uh, uh, tonight, tomorrow night, somewhere in there, he'll be back. And, uh, he has, he has stayed in contact with me, uh, all of this time. We've had some great conversation time at my house. Uh, we had some great conversation time while he was, uh, bouncing around between being thrown out and coming into my house. Uh, he's kept in contact with me the whole time that he's been gone. Mm. And uh, he's he's looking forward to coming back to my house. Now, when he comes back to my house, 
um, if things go as planned, we will uh, have gotten by the the turmoil of his being kicked out, having to go see a child, um, having the mother not come back to pick up that child when expected, and in all of this, and and we'll sit down and have a conversation uh, where we will map out to some degree. Okay, let's go back three weeks. Here's this message on Facebook that says man, I really think I need you to mentor me. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a conversation around what does that mean? What do you expect? What do you want? Uh, how, how do you see that happening? So I can get an understanding of what my role potentially will be, what role I'm willing to take, and even if we're a match or not in that expectation. And... Uh, so uh, a mentoring agreement, just to separate, uh, a mentoring agreement can be written or unwritten. In a professional world, it typically is a written agreement. Uh, in, in the type of mentoring relationships that we're talking about, uh, typically that is not written unless, uh, unless you are the person who has someone in a sober living house or mm-hmm. And we used to we used to run Grace Transformation House as as people in our house, and then you have some house rules, you have some requirements of 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 what they do with their free time, et cetera. And so, in that case, you might have a written agreement, but but most of the mentoring agreements, Jeremy, we're talking about are 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 just verbal understandings. Right. Um, this is when we're going to talk. Um, you know, when you're in these situations, uh, my my normal time of being available, uh, you know, from my point, I, I have early Social Security retirement. So I am pretty much available every day but Tuesday. Right. Uh, now, if you if you text me or message me, uh, man, I got an emergency. I'm in the emergency room. I got picked up by the cops. Uh uh, I've sent you both of those. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would drop my podcast. If, no, no, you're on my podcast. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I might put off a podcast for an emergency of somebody in my house. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's an understand there's a there's an expectation that says, hey, you can call me until nine nine thirty, even ten o'clock most nights. But after ten o'clock. It, we, we need to define what an emergency is that you call me after 10 o'clock. Right. Um, you know, I always tell people, it's not that I'm not willing to answer the phone. If I'm asleep, I I didn't know you called. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sound sleeper, man. Oh, man. Um, you know, I will, I will tell people, I'm, I'm a, if, if you're serious, if this is a, a fully committed mentoring relationship, I, I'm available 24-7. Mm-hmm. You can call me any time of day or night, seven days a week. I'm available. But if you call me after 10 o'clock, it needs to be really, really serious. It's not, should I call my baby mama tomorrow and ask mm-hmm. about seeing my kid? No, that's not something you call me after 9.30 at night for. If, if you are... If you've connected with friends and you are in a serious state of depression 
and you're you're on the verge of going to the liquor store before they close and get a full-on drunk, you better call me before you go to the liquor store. Mm-hmm. That's an emergency to me. Right. If you are fully committed to a mentoring relationship, says, I want to conquer my alcoholism and I want to get back to real life and begin to heal some relationships. So this is the kind of thing we're talking about is developing an expectation of how is this mentoring relationship going to work? That, that mentee is going to tell you, or you're going to ask them, to what degree do I have freedom to speak into your life? Mm. What, is, what is off limits? If I see a pattern, can I tell you I see a pattern? Or are you going to get offended and run from me? Mm. Because if you're going to get offended and run at me when I tell you I see a pattern, you're not fully committed to the mentoring relationship. I don't have time for you. And sometimes we have to be that honest with people. And I may get in trouble for saying it this way, but as as church people uh, trying to set out in, in beginning to mentor people uh, for radical life transformation in their lives, we are not accustomed, A, to being honest with people in non-judgmental or condemning ways uh, because we haven't functioned with each other in that way. We, we wear our mask on Sunday morning and everything's all right and... And so we never have any relationships that we speak to people until we're ready to cut the relation off because we're, we're done with that relationship and we've, we've been dishonest with them until the point that we're ready to be honest with them, the relationship's over and it's too late. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And uh, so what we're, what we're talking about is having a relationship that is, is real and authentic moment to moment in honesty. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know, we really need we really need a Sunday morning service to talk to people who come to brick and mortar church. Yeah. To talk about this type of authenticity. Yeah. You know, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking to myself, like, we're really defining what I consider to be relationship. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not just the the mentorship relationship is attached. I think with a with an intent, right? But but what you're describing right there is the only real relation. A relationship is just a it's just that, right? It has varying degrees. The only ones I want is what you just described. I don't know anybody yeah. who wants a fake relationship or or a one that is built around fraudulent. Uh, um, basis, right? That mm-hmm. says, okay, I'm, I'm this person and this person and this person, and, uh, I'm going to be this way. And that's what you can count on, even though that's really not the authentic me, you know, I, the world we live in today craves authenticity. I, it's why it's so easy to minister to people today, it, ministering to human beings. And as we record this, the year is 2022 ministering to human beings in 2022 requires nothing but honest integrity and authenticity. Yeah. That is it. Even if what you have to say is gross and disgusting, 
Because the authenticity part of it, it it's the vulnerability that comes with authenticity that causes a person to, to kind of take a step back because we just don't live in a world that has much of that. And, you know, when you look at like uh, the reason why many people say Joe Rogan is so popular and I've always believed this is why he's so popular because he's authentic. He just sits there and he talks to somebody and he asks real life questions that he has, whether it seems stupid or not or or is, you know, totally off topic. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he just talks. And I think this is what the world lacks so much of. And and all the more important in a mentorship relationship. Like that should be the the starting point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have that, how you're not even in a relationship worth having. No. Um it, it's sort of like I've said before uh uh Don and I have both come through some some very rough, traumatic marriage relationships in previous marriages. We've joined ourselves together. Uh, we have an outstanding, I think, uh, a model relationship that people could model themselves after. Uh, so we get asked to do a lot of marriage counseling. And uh, so we get people gathered up in a room and we let each couple rant for five minutes and and then I bring it to a stop and I say, okay, here's, I've, I've got your marriage problems all figured out. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we didn't even get to finish telling you what we were complaining about. I, I don't need to hear anymore. The problem is you're not a real person and you're not a real person. So your relationship with, with your spouse is fake and your relationship with, with this spouse is fake. And so we really need to work on each of you individually to become a real person so you can enter into a real relationship. Mm. And I'm not interested in, in trying to wade through the interactions between the two masks. Oh, it's so fatiguing. And so when we're talking about a, a real mentoring relationship, it's it's with the mask off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the mentor is not approaching this relationship as, you know, I, I've got all my blank together. I've always had my blank together. Therefore, everything I say mm-hmm. to you is the absolute truth and and just do what I say. Mm. Uh, that That's an abusive parent. Right. <laughs> For you real. Know? Uh, it's, it's, hey... Uh, I understand that weakness. I have been through myself this type weakness, and they may not be the same in our circle. So I can't necessarily say I know exactly how you feel, mm-hmm. but I know what it's like to be in a similar circumstance. I know what it's like to be tempted. I know what it's like to to have someone not believe in me. I know what it's like to lose trust with someone. I knew I know what it's like to not trust myself anymore. So, so let's try and connect in, in our understanding. We have commonality here. Let's figure out how we get from point A to point B. Is that what you want? Mm. See, those type of questions, what do you want? How do you see yourself? Where do you want to go? Those are, those are questions that you ask, not all at one time, not, not in, in one session, but over over several meetings together where you piece together how how serious is this person? Uh, is is their goal to, to not get break their addiction but to get their wife back? Mm. Well, if you don't get over your addiction, it doesn't matter if she takes you back or not. You're not going to keep her. Right. 
those are the you know so uh, yeah I'll 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 talk to you about some relationship stuff but if you're not willing to deal with your addiction mm-hmm. again the amount of time I have to give you is limited because the amount of willingness you have to open up about your whole person to be healed mm-hmm. as a person is not there. Do you uh, have have you ever charged for marriage counseling? No. Okay. Me neither. Um, I wouldn't have asked that question if I wasn't pretty certain of the answer. By the way, <laughs> um, the reason I say that is because you know as you're talking about this and and wading through the lack of authenticity, for example, I'm just thinking about this is why therapists get paid so much money because um, I think they get paid a lot. Um, and maybe that's my own perspective, but maybe they don't get paid enough. I don't know. But but I was just thinking, you ever have those dreams where you are trying to run and you just can't run fast and you can't figure out why you can't run fast? Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is what it's like talking to a person who has come to you for counsel and is not being honest. Yeah, It's like, I can't see this invisible sludge I'm trying to run through. But I'm trying to run through invisible sludge, and I'm just you're you're gonna have to pay me for this. Like if and I and I guess because I've been in therapy before, and I remember my therapist said like the second time we met, she said, "Man, I I've never had anybody come in here and just be ready." <laughs> she said, "You're just open. You're you know." In other words, I'm really easy because I don't sit there and lie yeah. or try to paint a picture that's different, right? But. But I think that's why they get paid so much because they got to work so much just to get you past being a liar. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that just kind of blows my mind. If, and, and to me, I believe authenticity breeds authenticity. With, with, a, with a therapist, you, you pay them to be patient. <laughs> yes. Until you pay them to be authentic with you. Right. Does that make sense? Or for you to be, for you to, 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 to the so point, you, get that you point. pay them to be patient to get to the point where you can be authentic with right. them. And uh, it's most just not frugal. Don't, most people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because they're happy to pay the money for the first time or two. And uh, then they start looking at their checkbook and what they can do with that amount of money. Yeah. And because you weren't authentic, you didn't get much help. Right. And so you're valid. Well, we can go to we can go to Logan's and have a ribeye instead of a right. six ounce uh, club steak, and then we can have some drinks and some appetizers and some dessert for the same money we paid this therapist, and you know, get about the same value. Except you'll be full when you leave. That's right. Steakhouse. That's right. So, but yeah. that's but that's the thing, man. You've got to go into those relationships being open, honest, and vulnerable. I mean, that's the bottom line. Until you do that, no, there's zero gain. Zero. It's like working out for forty minutes on an elliptical and then getting off the elliptical and eating two donuts. No point. Yeah. I mean, you probably helped your cardio, no, but no, you know what I mean. Wait a minute. I'm hitting home, aren't I? You mean I, I can't eat? <laughs> what if it's only one donut? Well, you've probably depending on your size, you maybe maybe you're still to the good. I mean, the reason I use two donuts is because I mean it depends. A donut's if, about five hundred calories. If God didn't want us to eat chocolate cake donuts, He wouldn't have made them. He didn't. Oh, He didn't make them. Uh, no, wait a minute, you just shattered my whole. I, apparently so. <laughs> I mean, unless unless that is manna, and I just don't know it. Mm, 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 mm. But you see what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. Is like we. I just, 
it's impossible for me to understand what goes through the mind of a person who lies to themselves. Like there's a level of almost schizophrenia that has to happen there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because how do you, how can you possibly now, now being oblivious to something like being not self-aware, you know, that's one thing, but like, man, it, what, what you're describing is a turtle. Mm. Uh, part of the time a turtle sticks his head out and says, Hmm, uh, I think I want to cross the sand and go over there. Uh, part of the time the turtle puts his head inside a shell and doesn't want anyone to see it. And because he can't see anybody, he doesn't think anybody sees him. Mm. And uh, that's immaturity. We, we live our life. I did that, that as a way, kid, though. right? You close your eyes and you're invisible. It's, it's a scripture that says a double-minded man is unstable in his all his ways. And mm. part of the time, we, we desire to come out and be authentic and get healed. And part of the time, we want to bury our head in the sand or in our shell mm-hmm. and ignore everything around about us because it's painful, it's change, it's different, it's unknown. And, and because we, we balance, we balance, because we wobble back and forth between the two extremes, uh, we never accomplish anything except continuing what we already are. Yeah. And so, again, what we've done is we've created uh, an unfair expectation uh, because we say we want to get healed. We want our life to be different. We want a different type of marriage. We want to be able to be uh, productive on the job for a change. We want we want to have friends that, that want to stay friends. We, we, we want all these different things, and yet we're not willing to stick our neck out uh, to do what it takes to find any of those things in our life. So we retreat into our shell mm. and complain that nothing's, nothing's different. And uh, Man. part of being a mentor is, is, is understanding this is the way people are going to be. At some point, the, the gal who calls me only when she has a trauma mm-hmm. is going to make a decision. I am tired of always having trauma on a nine-month recurring basis, and and I want to stop the roller coaster. I'm going to have to stick with Pastor Wayne a little closer, so I can be something different to have something different. Hmm. And and if you're a mentor, that's really the message that you are selling to people. If you want to have something different, you have to be something different. Do you want help being different? Your doing flows out of your being. So the situation that you keep finding yourself in is because of what you've done. If you don't want to keep finding yourself in that situation. No, but it, I didn't do it. It was done to me. Yeah, that's, that's what we all say. Mm. But we really all know better on the inside. We, we have this truth meter on the inside that, that tells us if we will listen to that truth meter, uh, this is what this is what life happened to me. This is what I contributed to life happened to me. This situation would have been different to some degree or another if I had been different. Certain things are always going to come against us. People are going to do things we don't like, guaranteed. Uh, jobs. 
employers are, are, are going to go bankrupt and employers are going to have good years and bad years. They're going to increase their hiring and decrease their hiring based on, on how they're responding to their market. Uh, life happens. You, you don't have control over those external things. But, you know, it's possible that if, if, you, if you applied yourself uh, uh, properly with the right attitude in that workplace, that that you didn't watch your clock and and you did unto God, and, and not as a as a clock watcher to that employer, that maybe that employer sees value and he keeps you instead of somebody else, mm-hmm. and and so there's there's you know you know what I'm saying sure make any sense, uh, you know I don't I don't know of 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 any marriage. Um, that has fallen apart. That that some blame couldn't be cast on both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, does does that mean that that was equally? No, it's never fifty fifty. Even if it's ninety five five, you gotta you gotta work on that five before you look at going into another relationship, or you carry that same propensity mm-hmm. to to unleash itself and even grow in that next relationship. So. Um, men, mentoring, mentoring expectations have to be, have to be realistic. Um, uh, one of the things that, that I have a difficulty with is, is, uh, particularly when we're dealing with addiction, typically when people are in addiction, they don't have one addiction. They have multiple addictions because they have, they have, uh, triggers that have, spark multiple addictions so maybe you do heroin and you do cigarettes and you drink and and you whine and complain and and you blame other people and and all of those are addictions well you're not going to you're not going to beat all those addictions at one time you can't slay every army of giants uh you can slay the giant that's in front of you so what's what's the giant that that needs to be handled first well you probably got to handle your heroin addiction first. Worry about your cigarette addiction later. Uh, although the cigarette addiction typically is Stronger. harder to deal with than the than the heroin addiction, but the heroin addiction is one most likely to bring immediate death. <laughs> right. So you deal with the with the highest risk, uh, the costliest addiction first, and you bring yourself down. If if you ask someone as a mentor, okay, so tomorrow morning we're going to get rid of all our addictions. And we'll start being sober tomorrow. That's an unfair expectation mm-hmm. to think that that someone's going to stop whining and complaining and projecting uh, motives and words into other people's mouths and being angry against them because of what they projected on them in one day because you went over one worksheet with them right. is an unfair expectation. You, you have to understand it's going to take time. It's going to take repetition. They're going to fail. You're going to pick them back up after they fail. You're going to keep walking. But your agreement that we'll get into in another episode says, hey, we are committed that, that even if you get mad at something I say, we're going to cool it off and we're going to come back together. Mm-hmm. Even if you fall off the wagon, we're going to get you sober and we're going to come back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is our commitment? What is our honest, open, transparency relationship? What is our ability to to speak the truth into each other's lives? That's that's all got to be put together in those expectations. So, we'll talk about agreement in another time. 
And uh, we're going to look forward to seeing everybody on the next episode. In the meantime, we are collecting 1,000 mentors. If you would like to be one of those mentors, contact us. Our email is uh, in the fine print. (laughs) Our email is something. (laughs) Grace Urban, okay, at gmail.com. Love you. Appreciate you. Blessings. Blessings.